Parshas Vaira, always enthusiastic. There was once somebody in Radin who peeked through the keyhole into the room of the Chafetz Chaim. I don't know if it was right to do, but that's the story. He wanted to see what an Ish Kadosh was doing in private, and so he looked through the keyhole into the garret, into the attic room where the Chafetz Chaim was. What did he see? The Chafetz Chaim Zichron and Levrocha was sitting on the edge of a bed, and he was studying the makas that Hashem brought on Mitzrayim. Now the report we have from this yeshiva man in Radin is that the Chafetz Chaim wasn't studying the makas with the parish of the Zohar HaKadosh, and neither was he learning the Sifrei Ditzniusa in that locked room. No, he was holding a simple chumash, reading the Pesukim from this weak sedra. He was saying plain chumash, and he was sitting, and he was laughing. The fish life that was in the river died, and the river stank because all of the rotting things. The Chavetz Chaim was reading those words like a little boy in Cheder, learning chumash for the first time. He was learning the chumash, mamish, like a pre-kindergarten child, the first time he's hearing about the makos. He's thrilled. He's imagining how the Egyptians are leaning over their wells, trying to quaff a mouthful of fresh water. And they're spitting it out and retching. Fech! Ugh! This is disgusting, this stuff. And the B'day Yisrael are watching their tormentors and laughing. They're busting their sides with laughter. And the one who is looking through the keyhole tells us that the Chafetz Chaim was enjoying it too. He was sitting on his bed and saying, Ah! Good Good for them. They're getting exactly what they deserve. He was banging with his foot on the floor like a boy. Like a little boy in Mitzrayim watching the Mitzrim get it in the neck. Now that's the briefest kind of report. But that boy didn't have the nerve to look for too long. He felt he was eavesdropping on the Shechina when he looked at the Chavetz Chaim through the people. And so he turned away. He slinked away down the steps. Now we have to understand that the Chavetz Chaim was already an old man. He was in his 80s, close to 90. So we think, all right, he'll learn the Chumash Shnaim Mikra Vechad Targum. But such a Zakin, such a Chacham, wouldn't bother to learn Peshut Shel Mikra. Oh no, he bothered with it all right, certainly. And he did it all the time. Because the Chafetz Chaim understood the purpose of the Makos. He understood that Hashem brought the Makos for him. Now I'll explain that. We might have said that the reason HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought the Makos was because the Am Yisrael had to be saved. But the truth is that the Makos weren't needed for that. They could have been saved from slavery in ways that weren't spectacular at all. It wasn't necessary to make plagues on Mitzrayim. It wasn't necessary to split the Yamsuf so that the Mitzrim should drown. They could have gone out. Paro could have got his people together and said, Look, these people were once friends of ours. They asked for asylum years ago. And Yosef was a benefactor of Egypt. Let's let them go now. Although Paro himself wouldn't do it, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have moved his heart. Lev melochim biyad Hashem. He could have caused Paro to change his mind. And he would have sent them out. So why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu make such a display of his power? Ten makos, 
drawn out over an entire year. What was it all for? So let's listen to what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says. After all, he knows best why he did what he did. Why am I bringing Makas on Paro? Not only to save my people. And not only because Paro deserves to be punished. There's a much more important reason. The reason is, Laman Tega. Ki ani Hashem So that you should know that I am Hashem in the midst of the land. Va'ira. Ba'avor teida ki ein kamoni In order that you should know there is none like me in the whole universe. So that you should know. In order that you should know. Again and again we're told that this is the motivation of the makas. So that they will know. Not only the Egyptians should be educated. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not going to do that only for the mitzvim. We are the ones that are still reading the Torah today. It's all for us. And the key word is teda. You should acquire deya, knowledge. Now in Masech the Brachos, the Gemara makes an important statement that serves as an introduction to this subject of acquiring das. Gedoyinodeya. How great is knowledge? And the Gemara brings an illustration of how valuable it is. G'doy Deya. How great is Deya? Shinitna bein otiot. So great that it is placed between two names of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Because it says, Ki kel deot Hashem. So one side, you have the word kel, Aleph Lamed. And on the other side, you have the word Hashem, Yud Kei Vavke. And in the middle, you have the word deus. As was explained once, if you see three people walking down Ocean Parkway, on one side is a Salmer Rev, on the other side, let's say, is Lubavitcher Rebbe. And in the middle, walking between those two great men, there's an unknown person. So you understand right away that if he's in the middle of these two, he's somebody very important. And if you see a word positioned between Kel and Hashem, so that word signifies something very important too. So if it says, Kel deot Hashem, therefore it proves. The Gemara says that Deya is very important. All of the great Torah ideals, all of the attitudes and lessons and stories, they're in the Chumash, but they're not in our heads. And das means that we have to transfer them from the chumash into our brain. We have to take the ideas in our chumashim and sudurim and other sephorim, shari tshuva and chayvus alavavus and mesilus yisharim, and put them into our heads. When we say das, it means not something merely that you can repeat quickly. Oh, I know about that already. Kulanu chachomim, the yeshiva bachar says. He's bored by it. He knows it already. He learned Chumash already. Maybe he learned the Rashi too. All the ideas he knows already. And so the lazy fellow says, I know Hashem is great. Don't bother me anymore. I told you, he's great. And that's all there is to it. It's like a man who is willing to give you a check for whatever you want. How much do you want? A million dollars? Here, here's a check for a million dollars. But he has no money in the bank. And so the check is worthless. When people say, yes, Hashem is great. There's nothing like him, Ba'aretz.
I know all about it. But there's nothing up here in his mind. If this bank up here is empty, if his head is empty, then it means very little. I'm not saying we don't appreciate the statement. At least you're willing to say it. It's a good beginning. But it's not das. It's not enough to know with a cold intellectual knowledge. Das means that you know with a sensory knowledge. Your nerves feel it. It goes into the marrow of your bones. You're thinking constantly, lighting that fire of enthusiasm all the time. And so we come back to the Chavetz Chaim and we understand that he lived for acquiring Das. He wanted all of the great Torah ideals to become part of him, to go into his bones. And because he worked on it, because he made effort to acquire wisdom, that's what happened. He became an embodiment of the Pasuk in Mishlei. Belev Navon, Tanua Chochma. In the heart of the understanding one, wisdom rests. The plain meaning is that when a person is a Navon, it means that he looks into things. He wants to understand. He seeks to know. So Belev Navon, in the heart of such a person, Tanuach Chochma, the wisdom comes to rest. It finds a resting place. It remains there. Wisdom becomes kavua in his mind because he wants it. That's what he lives for. He is seeking chokhmah because that's the shlemus that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created him for. And that becomes the purpose of the Navan. He seeks to become a shalem. He wants to become the best that he can be. Now it doesn't mean it bursts forth. He doesn't seek to publicize what he acquired. He's not interested in making a manifesto of his wisdom. He's hiding in the attic, working on himself, putting the great Torah ideals into his head. That's why the end of the Pasuk says, that when this Chochmah comes into the midst of fools, it becomes known. The Kisil doesn't keep it a secret because his purpose is not Das. He just wants to let others know, that's all. Tivadeya, whatever he knows, he tries to tell other people. In fact, he tells them more than he knows. That's the watermark of a fool. The identification mark of the Kisil is that he's always telling others what he knows. After all, that's his purpose in learning. He wants to show people what he has gained. And that's why, by him, it won't rest. Unlike by the Chacham, Das won't have any Menucha by the fool. It will evaporate. In Russia, you know, they're busy exporting, so there's nothing left for the people over there. People have nothing in Russia. They stand in line for food because Russia is busy sending everything out of its country. Same thing. When a man is busy exporting Ruchnius all the time, always telling others what he knows, always exporting to other people, like I do. So, he's in a big sakana. He has to be concerned that maybe things aren't going to remain with him. He has to worry all the time. If you're busy in the export business, it could be that nothing is left at home. So because the kisil is always busy telling others, so the chokhmah doesn't have menucha in him, it doesn't rest in him. 
The Navan, on the other hand, is interested in having the wisdom, in keeping it. Of course, if necessary, if you have the opportunity, you'll be lilbord, ulalamed. You'll learn and you'll teach too. But otherwise, that's not his purpose. His purpose is to acquire perfection in the eyes of Hashem. And that's why Tanuach Chochmah, it rests there. It's quiet and people would never know. And as this Chocham goes through the street, as he goes to the Beisach and Eses, or even in the yeshiva, people won't understand who he is. Nobody knows that his mind is working, that he's thinking about Makazdam, or Brias Ha'olam Yesh Me'ayim, or Mamad Har Sinai, right now. But he is quite satisfied. What does he care? He's not looking for the vain glory of Olam Hazet. He wants achievement. And he knows that he's got it. His purpose is transforming his mind into a Torah mind. And that's why he's busy in his attic, studying the Chumash, putting all of the great ideals into his head where they belong. Now along come our sages in Baba Metziah with their sharp eyes. And they see another meaning in this Pasuk. Pay attention and you'll soon see. It's an entirely different idea. My dichtiv belev navan. What does it mean that in the mind of a Novon, wisdom comes to rest? That's a Talmud Chochem who comes from a family of Talmud Chochemim. By him, wisdom is resting for generations already. It's settled by him already. And in the midst of fools, it becomes known. From a fool, it comes bursting forth. But our sages tell us that it's not Stam, a fool. Zet Talmud Chocham. He's a Talmud Chocham too. But he's Talmud Chocham mimishpochot am ha'aretz. He comes from a family of ame ha'aretz. And so, tivadeya, he makes it known. It's something new, a novelty in this family. And so he publicizes his knowledge. Now, Rashi says, a nifla digger thing on this mamar. Rashi, you have to know, is the Amkan, the deep commentator. Perush Rashi is in itself a sefer. It's a pity that Rashi is just pasted alongside the Gemara. So you think he's just the commentator. Oh no! Rashi is a chibur noida by itself. That's the trouble with these anavim who make a perush. Rashi could have made a Munas Videas. He could have been from the biggest of him if he made a Sefer on his own. But he made it a Padish. And so people forget that Rashi is a very great man in his own right. And that his explanation of Ma'amare Chazal are all gems. Now we would think, if we just learned the Gemara on our own, that this Ma'amar is Lignai. That it's deprecating this fool. That a Talmud Chacham, who comes from a family of Ame Haaretz, so he wants to show off. But Rashi doesn't say that. Rashi says, he makes it known. Because mitpa he glorifies himself with it. This Talmud Chacham, who comes from a family of Ame Haaretz, is so happy about his newfound knowledge, his newfound achievements, that he can't keep it to himself. Tivadeya, he makes it known. Not because he's showing off. 
He's just burning with enthusiasm. He's excited about it. But a Talmud Chacham from a family of Rosh Yeshiva, on the other hand, when he hears something, could be he's not so excited. His family has been saying these things all the time. When he was a little boy, he went to his Zaydi. His Zaydi was a Gadol. And his father was a Gadol. And his uncles are all Gedolim. At the breakfast table, they spoke about Shverer Rambam. And so, when he hears something, he's not so excited. He appreciates it, but he's not excited. And so, Belev Navan Tanua Chochma. In his heart, all the great ideals begin to rest and fall asleep. Now we have to take Rashi's Peshat and utilize that as a basis for understanding ourselves. Because according to this, it's just the opposite of what we thought. It's not enough to be a Chacham, to hear things and become familiar with them. Sometimes that itself is the problem. You think you know all about it. And so it goes to sleep. All the great ideals and attitudes that you're supposed to be living with are in a deep sleep. They're snoring away. But when a person is a Talmud Chacham who comes from an adverse environment, from a family that didn't learn, let's say a Baal Tshuva, when the Baal Tshuva comes into Yiddishkeit, he glories with Yiddishkeit. He really has the zest in what he learns. He has gusto and appetite for all the great ideals that make up a Jewish mind. He glories with tefillin. Oh, tefillin! He's so happy that he's wearing tefillin. He's enthusiastic about them. The Baal Tshuva, when he puts on his tefillin, at least the first year or two, he puts it on with a dedication because he's thinking about what they mean. It's a sign of glory. They told him that. Let's say he went someplace where Baalei Tshuva got together and somebody was talking to them. And he told them, tefillin is a pe'er. Ukshartem liot. It's a sign that you are one of the king's palates. B'nai Paltin. When he puts on the tefillin for the first time, he felt so elevated. He felt that the warmth came over him and his whole character changed. And for a long time, he continues to feel that way. The trouble is, after a while, he's no longer a Baal Tshuva. He becomes a real Orthodox Jew and he falls into the rut of all the other Orthodox Jews who put on tefillin without any thought at all. He becomes an old, settled, from Jew. And he forgets that tefillin is a sign. And it's telling him something, teaching him ideals and attitudes. The idealism begins to go to sleep, because after all, he's not from a family of Amehadets anymore. He broke away from that. He has his own family already. A good kosher family. And he begins to go to sleep. Sure, he's still medakdek in the mitzvah of tefillin. Could be. He's even more medakdek now. Maybe even he spends more money on mitzvahs as time goes on. But the enthusiasm has died out. And that's how it is with all the Torah ideals and attitudes that create the Torah mind. They're far schlufen. They're going to sleep. You can see this every day. It becomes so customary, so habitual, so superficial and drab. Are the great ideals present in the Jewish home? Sometimes it's only by stereotyping. They sound very pious 
Im Yirtzei Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. And so on. But actually, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not a real entity in their lives. Even in the shul, you can find sometimes a base Knesset where everybody was from for the last hundred generations. Their grandfathers already had beards and long pants. All the way back. And you walk in and you see no enthusiasm. They make motions as if they're enthusiastic. But you can see that their hearts are not in the davening. Sometimes a Baal Shuva comes into a shul. He can't keep up with the old-time Jews. And he thinks it's because he's not an expert in davening. He doesn't understand the secret. The secret is they're skipping. That's the secret. They say half words. And many times they don't say any words. It's a fact. It's a tragedy. You walk into such a place to daven. Three minyanim daven while you're davening once. So fast. You know that alone is something. If you're in a hurry to get out, it's a simon that you're not enjoying it. Of course, you have to be melamed zuchus. People have to go to work. But suppose it's not a work day. It's Shabbos. Yom Tov. Same story. Galloping. Galloping. That's a simon that the heart is no longer in it. If you come close to them, even if you put your ear against their lips, you won't hear anything. You'll be surprised how many people daven that way. They're just davening inside of themselves. Their lips are barely moving. It's a tragedy. And if you put them at the Ahmed, you'll be surprised. They're butchering the whole thing. I once heard a Jew at the Ahmed say, V'chol amcha meheira yikaretu. And your entire nation should be cut off quickly. An old Jew who davened every day of his life, at least 50 years, three times a day. Shivchacha mipinu yamush le'olam va'ed. Our praises of you will seize from our mouths forever and ever. It's remarkable. The errors that you hear in a shul. Please, Hashem, turn us away from you, empty-handed. It's chiruf v'giduf. And they do it every day. They're not listening to what they're saying. That's why you can catch them saying the most noble words. Words that should set their hearts on fire. But they're saying the words. And b'shas maisa. They're signaling to each other. He's saying the noble words, Hadar Kivotodecha, the splendor of your glorious honor. But no, he's not saying anything important. He's just saying words. And so at the same time, he's signaling to his neighbor, or his neighbor is talking to him. Did you see? Was Shmerel here today? His neighbor asks him. And he's mumbling, Hadar Kivotodecha, He's pointing somewhere while he's talking. Tate in Himmel. What happened to this idealist? He's still an Ish Kadosh in all of his practices, but it has died out. Within him, believe Navon Tanuach Chokhmah. The wisdom of all the great ideals are still there, but Tanuach, they have fallen asleep. The idealism has been extinguished. Of course, if you'd put him in the test and say, People are going to kill you if you won't worship Avaidezoro. It could be, most likely, that he will give his life. But up to that time, he's asleep. He's not enjoying his Yiddishkeit. Oh, sure, he'll tell you. 
Ivdu et Hashem b'simcha. But he's not b'simcha. You can see it on his face. You can see it in his davening. And you should know, that's the answer to what we saw in Europe. In Europe, 70 years ago, almost everybody kept everything. But already, the enthusiasm was dying out. Now that doesn't mean there weren't places that didn't have tremendous enthusiasm. Certainly there were. Europe was still Europe in many places. But in general, the enthusiasm was cooling off. No question about it. I was in Europe in 1932. That's 48 years ago. And I saw how it had cooled off tremendously. Even in places where they still kept. But it was cooled off. But not only the cooling had taken place by that time. It had come to other things. Because cooling off is the beginning of everything else. When the Yiras Shamayim, the Hislavus, the fire, cools off, that's Chas V'Sholom, the Hagdama to a roller coaster that's running downhill. And that's why we had at that time already in Europe a lot of atheists. At the Tarbu schools in Budapest, there were a lot of atheists. There were a lot of assimilation circles. I'm not talking about Germany. There, no question, but all over Europe, times were changing. In Russia, before World War I, there were hotbeds of wickedness. In Odessa and other places. Now, once upon a time, it was unthinkable among Jews. But now you had entire cities that were famous for wickedness. A lot of kofrim. Now, how did it happen? It didn't happen all at once. It happened because it started cooling off. Because that's the process. It's not insignificant. When you begin doing mitzvahs anashim, melumada, to do things just out of habit, without enthusiasm, is a symptom that inside the fire has gone out. And when the fire goes out, it means everything is out. So we're facing a problem. It's a big problem because we can't be nubale tshuva all our lives. And especially, who wants to be born into a family of Ameyadets? It's an ideal that we should be Talmidei Chachamim. And we want our progeny forever should be Talmidei Chachamim. And lo yamush mipinu, the Torah, should remain in our mouths forever. It's a big problem that affects all of us. And we're going to see what we have to do about that. It's a problem that requires a solution. And the solution is that we have to use our thoughts to reignite that fire in our minds. Now it could be you wanted to hear something more exciting, but that's the plain truth. Thinking is the fuel that keeps the fire burning. And the more thought you put into the furnace up here, the more you feed the fire, the brighter the fire burns. But you have to be constantly adding new fuel. Otherwise, it dims and goes to sleep. Now, how many old Talmidei Chachamim take a chumish in their hands? All right. Maybe they're learning the Parsha, but they wouldn't bother to learn Peshuto Shel Mikra. Even the Meforshim, they know already. So they're looking now for Sisrei Toida. You know, Sisrei Toida are wonderful. No question. It's great. But the biggest Sisrei Torah are on the surface. Never forget that secret. It's a sword that I'm telling you now. The biggest Sisrei Toida is Peshuto Shel Mikra. And many times, people lose sight of these Sisrei Toida. They look for others. 
The truth is that looking in the Chumash alone, without Midrashim, you'll be amazed how much there is to talk about. You never studied it properly, but if you put your head into the Chumash, you'll start discovering gem after gem, diamond after diamond. Let me tell you a little story. I have a little Chumash. I found it in East Flatbush, in a garbage can. It was put out for the garbage people to take away. I saw it on top of the pile in the can. So I took it. Inside is the name Fred. And I think all the time, Fred, poor Fred, why didn't you utilize your chumash? I got so much benefit out of your chumash. There's no meforshim in the chumash. No meforshim at all. I use it. I walk in the street with that chumash. And I think into it. I'm a mamik in the pesukim. I just use the perush of the rosh. This, my rosh, the Rav pointed to his head. It's a gold mine for me. The Chumash. I wrote a parish on Breshis from that Chumash. I'm writing a parish on Shemos from that Chumash. And Fred put it in the garbage can. Poor Fred. Now nobody here is throwing a Chumash into the garbage can. Chas v'shalom. None of you tzaddikim would ever consider such a thing. But still, we're throwing away the opportunities. Opportunities to put the Chumash into our heads, to put the stories, the ideals, the attitudes of the Chumash into our heads. That's already an entirely new way of learning Chumash. That's how the Chavetz Chaim did it. Because he knew that the more you study the Makas, the more you think about it, the more you light that fire in your mind, the more you know, you feel that there is no one like Hashem. Not only the Makas, everything. There are so many things to think about. Let's say, The first fact in the Torah. In the beginning, Hashem created everything. Which of us does not subscribe to that? We are talking about Ma'aminim here. But do you know how remote it is from us in reality? Do you know what the consequences of that statement are? It makes a fundamental difference in everything that you see in the world. Imagine if you stop for a second to think that Breshit's bara Elohim, in the beginning Hashem created. That means that whatever you see in this world is the will of Hashem and nothing else. You don't see matter. You don't see flesh. You don't see people. You see something that is merely a form. A form of the words of Hashem. When he said, Yehi, let there be. So there's no matter. Everything is spirit. Mr. Shamula and Mr. Shelby and Dr. Weiss and you and I, all of us that now are facing each other. What do we see? We don't see people. We see only the Dvar Hashem. And if we were to apply ourselves to the ideas of the Torah in this manner, we would find startling results and our heads would become full with remarkable ideas. Every time you read the words, they're like new ideas, adding more layers of Torah attitudes onto your mind. That's the very important principle that David HaMelech frequently reiterated. And we say it many times without even stopping to think about what it means. Shiru lo, shir chadash. Sing to him a new song.
new songs, new attitudes. What's wrong with the old songs? The old songs were pretty good. They won't make any better ones than the old ones. David himself sang plenty of old songs. But we see that David said, sing new songs. What is that? It means that the old Torah ideals are very important. But you have to always refresh those ideals with new thoughts. They have to appear new to you by means of your enthusiastic thinking. And so, always review the old ideas and make them new again. Generate your own enthusiasm every day. Of course, you'll look in the Shirei David Avdecha and repeat his old words, but you'll think about them. And if we'll follow in his footsteps, if we'll make good use of the Tehillim, we're going to experience some of his emotions, not all of them. This, I am sorry, I can't promise you, but you'll achieve a small percentage of what David HaMelech was able to achieve. Try to follow in his footsteps and recapture some of his feelings. Now I understand people who do lip service are satisfied to fulfill their obligation and say the words. But that's not a shir chodosh. It's only by means of thinking into the words of David. That's how you begin to relive a little bit of the great emotions that he felt. That's why Pesuke de Zimra is so important. The people who finish in a big hurry, they're busy trying to just get through the davening. They're missing out on one of the greatest accomplishments of life. I won't tell you my own opinion. I'll just say what the Tur says. Tov me'at b'kavana, me'har be'shalo b'kavana. To say a little bit and to think about what you're saying is much more valuable than to just speed through the whole davening. The Siddur is a very profound book. There are deep things there. And they deserve to be studied. Every line is another gem, another important thought that we must live with. Take your time. The Siddur is a career that is available for every Jew. And it's a tragedy that lives are being wasted. I've said it before, that it's a cancer. This sickness of what we are doing with our davening today. The truth is that it's one of the greatest failings in Jewish life today. And therefore, to restore tefillah to its proper place should be one of our highest aspirations. By the way, I would like to talk about the Siddur all the time, but I know it would be boring for you. On tefillah, I would like to talk for a whole year, an entire year only about the subject of prayer. We could take every word and analyze it. We could study it deeply, and it would be worth every minute. You want a program for greatness for yourself. I can guarantee any person who's listening, I can guarantee you greatness if you will undertake a program of spending five minutes a day thinking. If you want a path to greatness, that's it. Try learning with the Perush Harosh. That means using your Rosh, your head. Use your Rosh and think into any pasuk in the Siddur for five minutes straight. I'll give you a shtar, kasuv v'chasum. You're guaranteed to become great. 
after some weeks pass, and you continue that way, you'll discover things not only that you didn't dream are in the Pasuk. You didn't dream that they're inside of your heart. Something is going to develop in your mind. An entire new understanding of the subject will flourish. You will be amazed at the results that you'll produce. An enthusiasm, a fire, it can change a person's character. Try it once just for practice and see what it is. Of course, it's a very hard job to think for five minutes a day on one puzzle. But try it. You'll discover it's not easy. We once had a group for young men who undertook to do this, to choose any Pasuk in the Siddur and to spend five minutes thinking about that one Pasuk. Now, when they heard that for the first time, one of them said, well, I think for two hours every day on certain things. So I said, try it anyhow. He came back to me three weeks later. We used to meet as a group once every three weeks. And he said, it's very difficult. It's not as easy as I imagined. But if you do it, and then you take those ideas that you gained, and you put them into your davening, you'll accomplish something remarkable. That's what tefillah is called. Service of the mind. Your mind has to be working hard during davening. You know, sometimes there were people who came to watch Rav Yisrael Salanter daven, and they were terribly disappointed because he wasn't shaking. He stood still and didn't move as he davened. And they were so terribly disappointed. Terribly disappointed. But there was one person who was standing near him, watching him. And he was watching his forehead. And the veins on his head were swollen. They were pulsating. His mind was working very hard. That's how to daven. With your mind. The greatness of a person is not only that he walks in the beaten path just because he did it yesterday or somebody did it generations ago, but he walks that beaten path with a new fire. Each day, he's singing a shir chodosh, a new song. And that's when all of the great Torah ideals will find a manucha. They'll find a place of rest in your heart and it will stay with you. Everyone can be like the Chavetz Chaim. Everyone can study the Chumash like he was doing in his room. That's how we have to do it, even in our old age. Keep on reviewing all the great ideas every day, a little bit, to refresh in your mind the great impression that you once had. Go over it again. Practice what it means. Think of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim like the Chafetz Chaim thought about it. Each Makkah, think about it. Think! When? Don't wait until Pesach night at the Seder. All year long you should be thinking about what's in the Chumash. Think about what's in the davening. Take time out to think about the Pesukim that you're saying every day. And gradually that fire of enthusiasm will grow brighter and brighter. And the more you think, the more real it becomes. And the more enthusiastic you become. Gedoy How great is the true knowledge when a person becomes clear in all these things because he's thinking constantly in them. That's the man who has lived successfully. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Living with idealism. 
The Makkas were sent upon Egypt to sear the lessons of Das Hashem into our minds. The great men of the past utilized these lessons by spending time just reading the Chumash, as if for the first time. This week, I will, Beli Nader, spend five minutes each day in thought, concentrating either on one of the plagues in Egypt or on one Pasuk of the Siddur. As Rabbi Miller asserts, this is a guarantee for greatness.